Welcome to the Mount Hammer Podcast, episode 15. I'm Mel and I'm here with Luke and Elle. How the hell are you doing, guys? Good. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> Ratings out of 10? I'm a solid 8 today. Solid, solid 8. Solid 8, I'll take that. Mm. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Seven and a half bats. Oh, nice. Ah, okay. So okay. You, you slice the bat in half. Oh, Brutal. yeah, actually, that's... Yeah. Horrible. Um, don't <laughs> forget, Golden Gods tickets are on sale right now. The greatest heavy metal awards show in the known universe is coming to London on June 11th at the Indigo in the O2 Arena. Uh, we've got Meshuggah playing. We've got Carpenter Brook playing. If you pay attention to the Mount Hammer website, <laughs> excuse me, if you pay attention to the Mount Hammer website today, you'll see another very special and exclusive performance announced as well. Uh, Jamie Jaster's hosting it's going to be an amazing night full of the biggest bands in metal loads of awards more bands to be announced as well as, uh, including actually the headliners which is going to be announced in a couple of weeks we're holding off on that because it's something very special indeed it's going to be brilliant so go on to tinyurl.com forward slash golden gods 2018 to find out how you can buy your tickets and come party with us on the night it's going to be good isn't it I'm going to get so drunk <laughs> it is going to be that kind of evening (laughs) it's the first time in uh, the entire time I've been at Hammer that we haven't had a deadline the next day so it's going to be good fun so yeah (laughs) go and buy your tickets if you want to join us the latest issue of Metal Hammer also available to buy right now still in shops for another week or so that's our very uh, world exclusive and awesome ghost interview so get all over that Luke, you've been to New York. I have. The hell you were doing out there? I went to, well, I went to see one of the greatest bands ever. Ooh, uh, big call. Because, no, I, I love Alice in Chains. And I, but, I've, uh, point. but I've only seen them once before this, and that was... Really? Yeah, that was Download 2006. That was the first, first time you seen them do a proper show? First time I saw them do, do an indoor show, yeah. And it just reminded me how much I fucking love that band. And yeah, I saw them do two nights at the uh, Hammerstein, Hammerstein uh, Ballroom uh, in Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn, in New York, in Manhattan. Mate, you're having um, a <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit hungover. Um, Me and Luke went to the wrestling last night. We had a lovely time. We were uh, horse today. Yeah, it's a bit hot. So. But no, but, it, but they were just fucking unstoppable, really. Like They kept, did two nights. Did slightly different set list each night. I was going to say, did they change the set list? Yeah, they did. They did. They only played one new song each night, the same one, the, um, the new one, the one you know. That's the name of the song, it wasn't... Yeah, 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 the one. Um, the one you know. Um... And yeah, it sounded amazing. Actually, the new song like it, it, fit, it fitted in perfectly with what they were doing. Yeah, and they didn't do too much like recent Will stuff. They like like four, maybe three or four tracks off uh, Black Gives Way to Blue and yeah, I mean Elba Black Gives Way to Blue are a modern classic, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Devil put dinosaurs here. Thought that was like solid. I don't know what you really want from Alice in Chains now because they just do what they do so well and they do it better than anyone. So as long as yeah, like, just... those harmonised vocals were ridiculous yes. in that room. It sounded Maybe amazing. The best in all of rock. Uh, the sound system in there was incredible, and you just hear those like Jerry and Will's voice, and you're just like, "This is amazing." Awesome. Uh, but then when they did, they did obviously quite a lot of dirt, as you'd expect. But like the crowd just carried everything when they did anything off dirt. Like wood, the end of wood was just like life affirming when everyone was just bellowing it out. It's like fuck oh, me, awesome. it was so so yeah, good. How they feel playing that now though, because it is the it is that song that everyone wants to hear all the time. You know, every band obviously has those songs. And did it feel like they still wanted to play it? Did it feel yeah, like I think song? I think so. I don't. I I, I thought of this afterwards actually. This like I mean, you know, playing Rooster must be like you know Zeppelin doing Stairway to Heaven or exactly, whatever. Yeah. So oh, whatever again. But they looked so. 
happy up there doing it because I think they've not been taught obviously not been touring for ages anyway I think just playing those songs again I think as well it's worth remembering that they had you know uh, I can't remember what year Lane died now was it 2002 something like that but they had a good few years yeah, of yeah. not knowing if they'd ever be able to play those songs again so I can imagine it's they're probably grateful just to still be here and still doing it I know we are Absolutely. Uh, well, while Luke was having the time of his life in Manhattan, <laughs> Elle and I were, uh, I don't want to say stuck, but kind of locked away. I wasn't stuck. In a, in a uh, the, the, I don't know what you call it, the home of goth. <laughs> the Electro Works in Angel in London. Anyone who's ever gone out to a goth night in London knows what I'm talking about. You looked um, a bit nervous. Well, I was just a bit out of my comfort zone. Because I've never, I've been to the Electro Works for club nights and things like that. Um, and I have actually been to, um, what's it called? Slimelight. Yeah. Which is, the, for those who don't know, is kind of the premier and long-standing goth club night in London. Um, so I've kind of been there in that environment before. But it, it did make me realise that I've never really been to a low-key goth gig. Um, and we, we, were there, we were there to see Three Teeth. Do you want to talk about Three Teeth, though? I found it interesting. Yeah, they're like an industrial band, but they veer more towards metal than the goth scene so they're just quite a sort of dirty synthy band with some yeah just some really dirty guitar parts in there and the singer's cool he was wearing shades and that quickly was, became that, I, revealed I why that. he was wearing shades because they brought their own lights with them and you oh, could yeah, at God, the front brutal, apparently it? if you're at the front you could feel the heat like burning your face off like literally and we were a little bit further back and they kept going into our eyes and blinding us yeah and this is in like what like a 300 cap room 400 cap yeah so I'm guessing those lights are designed for much bigger venues it looked amazing but it was really intense having those lights they brought with them um, over from the states but yeah it was cool it was just a synthy industrial gothic cool gig they've got some really great songs the new material is really good I think they're sort of writing more songs now rather than just having a sound and a lot of people were sort of singing along to those new ones as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it it felt like there were a lot of people that it didn't feel like there were many casual fans in there. It felt people no. really were like into this band. A lot of dancing as well. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's like they definitely got that bit of a heavier edge. So they, you know, it's kind of leaning more into like the Ramstein end of the scene where you just got these big dumping riffs and uh, proper metallic drum sections and stuff. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd go again. <laughs> <laughs> four males out of five. Four four. For 15 gothic bats out of 17. That was good. <laughs> That's what I'd give it. What I'm, I'm weird glad you liked way it. <laughs> I'm know. glad you liked it that much. No, no, yeah, because I thought I it was really good. I wanted you to like it, so... As, as, as a relative outsider to that particular pocket of our scene, I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And it was, um, it was cool to see a relatively new band get a really ecstatic response. It's always great to see young bands that are making people excited. So, yeah, it was really cool. It was good. Uh, what is going on in the world of metal this week? Drama in the baby metal camp. Drums. Drums. <laughs> baby so, drums. Baby drums. People thought that Yui Metal had left baby metal and it all kicked off. Because she hadn't been on stage for a few she months was, now. She was ill at the end of last year. And then there's a few shows she's not been in, so people were questioning why she wasn't there. So baby metal responded, basically just saying she's not left the band. But I don't know any more than that. Do you guys know anything? Um, well, 
I think a it's spokesperson been... for 5B uh, management oh, wow. addressed the situation. Same management who bring us the likes of Lamb of God and Slipknot and many other heavyweights. Yeah, and the people that Bay Metal were working with on their new record label and so on. Mm. Uh, it says, Yui Metal remains a member of the band, but she is not on this current US tour. There is a new narrative for the future of the band, which is currently evolving. The storyline has changed. Wow. What the fuck does that mean? Well, I mean, that's... I wonder if they're going to spin off another band... Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, sometimes there's a couple of songs in the Bane Metal set where uh, Sue Metal goes off and New Metal and Mo Metal do their own band. And they've released music together before and done songs together before. And I wonder if maybe Yui will do some kind of solo thing. Maybe she'll become sort of a different kind of character and perform with them and do her own thing. Just throwing it out there. Wow. That'll be quite interesting. So what, Yui Metal and Mo Metal already do their own They already thing. do their own thing in the Bay Metal show. They have like their yeah. own... I've gone completely blank. I can't remember the song. No, I, I remember as well, yeah. because um, Sue Metal gets their own segment as but well at got, one point. But they've got their own name. It's called... I do remember at Wembley, yeah, there was just that bit where just the two of them came out and yeah, were and running a, around the they've stage. They've got a name for it as well. Is it Black Baby Metal? Something like that? It's it's What amazes me about this story is that this band have already cultivated such an impassioned crowd and we talked before about how kind of in Japan they have a bit of a younger audience for the mm. most part and over here obviously they've got very kind of dedicated metal fans um, but they've put together such a, a serious audience that the second there was a sniff of one member not being around much the internet melted down over it people went properly batshit about this yeah, to yeah. the point where management has had to step in <laughs> and say it's all part of the plan yeah, it's, it's like, okay that's absolutely wild I can't even think of many bands <laughs> like that would happen but then they are an absolute oddity. Yeah, it is. It is a black baby metal. Black baby metal. I think so they're kind of meant to be thing. darker. Do you know what I mean? And this whole new cycle they seem to go into is like a dark cycle. So I sort of wonder if she's going to go off mm. and do something dark. But I don't know. Well, well, well it sounds like the follow the the quote continued to talk about the the chosen seven, which I think is the new thing that baby That's metal the new are doing. Thing. They've got that photo of everyone in robes. Yeah, and it says the who, when, where, and how of the chosen seven will be presented as the concept unfolds. So, I guess maybe Yui isn't. Maybe she's not a chosen one. Maybe she, like for some reason the Fox God didn't like her, and now she's having to fight away. Or maybe her way she in. is the chosen one. Or she's, she's the, the chosen one. one. She's always my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. They're all great. Uh, yeah, interesting times. Definitely keep an eye on metalhammer.com for this developing story. <laughs> yeah. Wow, almost sound like growing up journalism then. Goodness me. Uh, in less serious realms, which I didn't think I'd say when talking about baby metal, there's a new Tenacious D album coming, is there? Uh, yeah, yesterday a video uh, appeared on the internet. Uh, on I think it's Tenacious D's YouTube, obviously. Uh, basically, it's like an animated video of Kyle and Jack sat there going, basically saying they're skint and need to record a new album. Uh, and they said and at the end of the video it says uh, new tour 2018 definitely new album 2018 probably so it's okay. just like oh, okay fine so and that's, the, last album was 2012 I think yeah Rise, Rise of the, the Phoenix, Phoenix which I thought was a bit shit I mean it was that penis cover wasn't it it was like a phoenix and a cock at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very droll. I'm seeing that, <laughs> that download. Yeah, they had the big inflatable willy phoenix come out of the stage. Oh, yeah. Do we need another Tenacious D album in 2018? I put it to I don't know. I've always found them funny. I love the first album. I think the first album was brilliant. The, the, but as it's fair, everything since time has been a bit like, eh. Like, Pig of Destiny had a few 
okay songs in it. Like the song The Metal is amazing. Yeah. Is uh, that the one that the, one the, the movie metal. came out of as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've, yeah, they've also said that they're working on a sequel to The Pick of Destiny. That was a new story from last week as well. Okay. So Tenacious Day are busy this year. But I don't know if we if it's funny then yeah like I've got nothing against it as long as it's funny. My problem with Rise of the Phoenix was I just didn't think it was that entertaining either musically or comedically, which was it was a shame because they're both you know very funny men. Um, but yeah, if it's good then I'm all for it. And to be fair, when we posted the story yesterday on the website, everyone was resoundingly positive about it. Like all, all I mean, they're always a big band, aren't they? They last time they yeah. came out, I think they were. Maybe even subheadlining when they played downloads yeah, they were. a few years ago. Yeah, they were, and it was a bit awkward because Steel Panther were on before them and, and Steel were Panther, way better. Yeah, Steel Panther <laughs> smashed almost everybody that day, to be yeah. fair. But yeah, it's weird with Tenacious D. Actually, I remember watching that set and being irritated that they managed to have 14 songs and didn't play Wonderboy. I thought my exact thought like, they didn't play Wonderboy. Tenacious D have not gigged as much as your average metal band. They do not have the, you know, they can't be sick of playing certain songs by now already. <laughs> um, and with the best of respects like obviously you know Jack Black loves his loves and knows his shit and they're both great musicians but you know they've only got really for a festival sub headline set they've only got about six or seven songs maybe that mm. casual fans are not and to not play Wonderboy I was just like really? <laughs> yeah. it's just I found it absolutely bizarre yeah it's a weird one because it's, it's basically their second, third biggest song yeah, like, yeah. Uh, tribute and uh, fucker gently yeah 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 very very strange oh well we'll see what happens with that interesting to see how uh, how Tenacious fit into the world of metal in 2018 uh, what's Kirk Hammett been saying in the internet well depending on which side in sides. the year 2002 yeah well it, it, depending on you know which side of you know, the internet you fall on you might think this is a good or bad thing basically he was interviewed uh, on a Swedish TV show about you know various things and so for some reason, the whole topic of Napster came up again. And basically, he said, and I quote, The whole Napster thing didn't do us any favours whatsoever. But you know what? We're still in the right on that. We're still right about Naps- Napster, no matter who's out there saying Metallica was wrong. All you have to do is look at the state of the music industry, and that explains the whole situation right there. Right. So how do you guys feel about this? Because it seems like we can't ever go too far in Metallica world without someone digging up the whole Napster thing again. Yeah. And now that we've seen what is almost the end game of the internet versus music, <laughs> um, we, you know, how do you look back on, on the whole Napster thing? I mean, for anyone who, who might be a bit younger or whatever or didn't remember at the time, Napster, kind of the original big-time streaming service. Well, or or down, download yeah, service, or yeah. peer-to-peer um, sharing service. Um, and kind of one of the first platforms where you could get music for free illegally technically speaking and uh, uh, Metallica went to war with them and went to war with all the people using it yeah completely it was a big black mark on their career really not that it's done them any damages I'm sure but other than you know fans moaning but it, it was just a bit like as you know a fan who's you know someone who's now part of the Spotify generation and basically pays a, you know, a tenner a month for all the music in the world you know, no one's got the money even back then to buy all the albums that you want in the world and it's, it's ridiculous I thought at the time but does that give you the right to have an album you know I can't afford the car I want no 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 Doesn't totally you just go and have no, one no totally I just had to say it's not right at all it's not right and I can get why Metallica were annoyed about it but at the same time it did burn it did, it did have a bad taste in a lot of fans mouths just like no you're not allowed this mm. basically 
It was just a reaction, though, wasn't it? It was really, really reactionary. It was like, this is happening, this is a new thing, we don't understand it, it's going to change the music industry, it might be negative for us, let's do something about it now. Like, it was very much a reactionary thing, and I think that's why people keep going back and asking them about it, because it is so many years later, the landscape has changed so much, and at the time, I think it was literally a reaction. But Lars was talking about it last year and said, um, the, obviously Metallica were pro-bootlegging, when they started, it was all about tape trading. So on the one hand, the Napster thing was kind of an extension on that. But on the other hand... Um, Can't tape trade kind of to five million people at once. Exactly, it's a scale, isn't it? Um, and I think it was sort of that what the fuck is happening here aspect of it that made them come out so strongly against it at yeah. the time. I think, I think maybe the band would even admit that maybe it could have been... Ha- like the PR side of it could have been handled a bit mm. better because I think going... You, you can't fight the internet. As anyone that's ever looked at the Metal Hammer Facebook knows, <laughs> you cannot fight the internet. It's just, you can't do it. You can't control it. You can't fight it. And you can't kind of go to war with it in a way that looks like you're attacking your actual fans, which, you know, most people that download a Metallica are my fans. Um, but at the same time, you know, okay, Metallica are always going to be able to survive the situation with that we have now with streaming and everything else but a lot of bands don't I remember Deftones um, I can't remember which album it was I think it might have been Koi no Yorikan or maybe the one before but I remember they had an album that leaked and they estimated that it cost them about a million dollars and you can't you know Deftones might be a really big band and they can live off their music now but they're not you know they're not Metallica that's a lot of money to suddenly take out of Mm. your pocket for an organisation that goes through the you know the the five musicians and the producers and the management and everything else like it's not a it's the wild west out there well you mentioned handling it as well but this was a time when there weren't massive twitter storms like there are now so it's probably one of the first big kind of this is an internet scandal yeah totally totally the message boards were aflame so you know (laughs) again that's something that no one really knew how to deal with i don't think so i guess there's a kind of verdict for it all do you think Metallica were right all along that Nap- it, Napster bad? Napster that was a very niche interest uh, for yeah, anyone who yeah. well, Napster bad in the way that it was illegal and the artists were making zero money. But on the whole, I think this idea of you know peer to peer sharing, which is bad, led to streaming, which is good in my opinion. Uh, bands still would make piss all money off streaming. Though. Bands do make piss all money off streaming, but at least they make some money off streaming. You know, it's 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 not like someone's sat there going, I've I've got loads of money and I would go buy all these albums. All the albums I listen to on Spotify, I couldn't afford to go and buy. True. You know. But how much money do you... Th- I mean, I, th- I think it's probably worth pointing out that metalheads are much more loyal to yeah. physical products. And I think you've probably got a much higher rate of fans that will stream an album and then go out and buy merchandise and tickets. No, and no completely. Vinyl and... Exactly. Stuff. I think that's... That's just the way everything seems to be pointing at the minute, is that if you want to make money, you do it from tickets now, not from records. And yeah, you're more likely to get more people out of your gigs if you're on streaming services, is the way I see it. But at the same time, Tool would probably disagree. Yes, very true. true. Um, And I don't think, I think we're getting there, but it still doesn't feel like the music industry's cracked it. No, I think the music industry as a whole treated the internet 
really badly mm. at the beginning just saw it as a threat I thought no we, we want to charge 15 quid for these nine songs it's just like <laughs> nah maybe not I'm sure some stats came out earlier this year though saying that the industry was in a healthier position that it had been in in years I heard that recently things yeah. had kind of almost gone not gone back to pre-streaming days but weren't falling off a cliff for the first time in a while well yeah I remember being quite surprised by it um, and you know obviously vinyl sales have increased but that's still a tiny percentage but in terms of actually making money as a whole of every revenue stream they seem to be not as bad as I thought don't have any stats to hand (laughs) (laughs) they're out there yeah Uh, find them maybe something we could look into for a future hammer report you know we like to uh to bring you the 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 real news oh god no No. yes that's wrong with you but we will we will indeed uh, we're going to do a recently introduced uh, segment of the podcast now we talk about one new band a month that's in the current issue that we want to big up and bring to your attention on another level and we're going to talk about Primal Right now this is a band who I actually first heard about when I was interviewing Riley from Power Trip um, for our uh, kind of um, Hammer Tour cover that we did last month with mm. Trivia and Power Trip Ben in Prison and, and Code Orange on um, and he uh, I was just talking to him about the health of the scene in general um, and he and he just kind of went off on this on this gushing monologue about how great Primal Right are. Uh, they're from the Bay Area, which already gives them a little bit of metal integrity. Um, and they're basically kind of I, I don't know how to put it really. Yet another crushingly heavy metallic um, kind of buzzsaw rift hardcore band. Um, uh, they're led by uh, a singer called uh, Lucy Xavier who's a transgender singer she's got some very interesting stuff to say about um, where metal's at and the kind of way we're dealing with those kind of um, those kind of issues uh, in the current in the current issue as well uh, and basically if you like the sound of bands like Power Trip uh, kind of Cro-Mags Integrity mm-hmm. those kind of really heavier old school hardcore bands um, there's also kind of a good death metal thing in there as well bands like obituary you can hear that kind of low end crunch and and like i said they're kind of oh sorry luke just smacked luke in the head i'm getting excited <laughs> uh, those kind of uh, low end gutsy kind of buzzsaw guitar sounds as well um they're absolutely awesome uh, the, the album's called dirge of escapism and it's out now It'll be a revelation um and as i said lucy's a really really interesting character i think she could become a real good person for the scene in general um not just because of who she is and where she's come from and what she represents but just someone who's who isn't afraid to kind of um, talk about where the scene's at and, um, you know, where the Bay Area's at in terms of producing new bands and everything else. Uh, I don't think they're coming over to the UK anytime soon, but we'd love to have them over because um, from what I've heard, they're absolutely savage live as well. So get on this band. They're fucking brilliant. And they come Power Trip approved. So if you like Power Trip, you'll definitely <laughs> like Primal Right. I can't say better than that. They're very, very good. Uh, yeah, Thirds of Escapism is the album. So get on Primal Right. They're bloody brilliant. We should take some reader questions. Let's do it. Go on, then. Uh, <laughs> uh, ben, Smooth. Segue. Um, ben Wilmot asks, given that several recent reported incidents of people being hurt in pits at shows, again, gives examples of Machine Head in Southampton and several people having to be carried out uh, during Power Trip and Code Orange at Brixton on the Hammer Tour, uh, is gig etiquette getting worse or has it been just as bad for years? Well, first of all, fuck crowd killing. I think we can all agree on. Mm. Anyone that goes to a gig to hurt somebody or to show off and try to be a macho lad and punch people or beat people up or just do all that shit is an idiot and we don't want you in our scene and you can fuck off. 
Yeah, you wouldn't do it in the streets, so you've got no right to do it yeah. in a venue. And if you would do it in the streets, you should probably be in prison. Because <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> that, that's just assault, um, isn't it? Yeah. It uh, does seem to be a, a bit of a thing at the moment, doesn't it? People actually getting knocked out at gigs and, you know, violence and... What the fuck's going on? So I've not seen any of it firsthand because I wasn't at the Code Orange show, but, I, but what the one thing all of my Twitter feed was saying at the time was, oh my God, they've had to stop the show again. Yeah, they stopped the show three times on the Trivium Tour, once during, no, twice during Power Trip and then once during Code Orange. And um, we did see at least one person get carted out for being a dick. Oh yeah, but every now and again you see someone get pu- pulled out with like a bloody nose or whatever. And sometimes, you know, things happen by accident, but it does feel like, I don't know whether the crowds are getting more violent or what, really. it's a weird one. I don't, Think I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, my moshing days are over. Yeah, I'm, I'm too old now. Oh shut up! <laughs> yeah. You're the youngest one. Doesn't mean I want to get punched in the face, but it's you should. But yeah, I know. No, no, but yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's getting any more violent. But at the same time, I've been, you know, because I've been going to hardcore shows for years. You just always, you, you always see these people throwing their arms and legs around. But at the same time, I think hardcore dancing is bit died a death now. Really. I it don't does see seem people to be doing the spin kicks anymore. Yeah, it's like when you do see it, it's kind of like, oh, this is still a thing. <laughs> Occasional kind of, you know, dutty low-level party yeah. or something. Yeah, you, yeah, you see people two-stepping, that's fine. But yeah, uh, but yeah but I say, I say crowd kicking, I've only seen one proper example of it, and that was during Black Tongue, I think, a few years ago. And yeah, there was just one dude adamant they're a he was, really he was just, slow band though. yeah yeah and and he was just like like the pit opened it was massive to be fair. and this one dude just kept fucking elbowing anyone he could in the face so they were just standing around watching and it was just like fuck off it's such a weird thing why would you do that why would you go to a gig and think I'm going to smack something like what is so sad about your life that you'd want to go and do something like that I don't know it's pretty scary I mean yeah thing, it is scary the thing at Bricks you, you know you go to a gig and you expect to come back out of it and the Brixton one where it was stopped three times you know we were there and it, it was so surprising because I'd never seen I'd seen a gig stopped one time um, and that was actually Lamb of God gig in Birmingham and not only is it understandable that you would stop the gig if someone's hurt but also very understandable given what Randy went through that their security would want to make sure yes. everything was absolutely 100% fine so I'd only had one experience really of being actually that had been stopped. Um, and with the past couple of incidents happening in the last couple of weeks, you do wonder, are these just random occurring incidents, you know, correlation, not causation, or is something happening? And I think until, you know, the next few months being by, we won't really know whether it's a trend or not. It could literally just be two things have happened and those shows have stopped. But it's also interesting that it is in these larger venues because usually the more violent shows should we say would happen in the smaller venues mm-hmm. um, but you know Rob Flynn came out with a statement saying that people should be able to go and enjoy gigs and pick each other up in the pit and this kind of thing shouldn't be happening which is absolutely right like you said Luke everyone's been injured in a pit before um, but the golden rule is that you pick someone up and mm. if someone is injured then probably want to try and help them unless they're excited about it some people get excited about their injuries um, <laughs> yes! just come out with a, the guy with the bloody nose that we saw at straight from the path he was oh, he, looked he was, really quite, ex- on he was it, yeah. quite excited <laughs> about that um, but yeah mostly you should be picking people up so is there a shift in attitude is this happening and if so why is it something to do with metal crowds changing is it something to do with just generally Society and life being a bit harder and a bit more tense at the moment in the current climate. Like, mm. I'd be interested to see if it happens again, really. 
Mm. Hopefully not. I don't want anyone to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unnecessary, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if it, it could be... probably getting a bit ahead of myself with this, but it could be the fact that heavy music is, is really on the rise again at the moment. And when that happens, you kind of attract casual fans who want to come down and just show off and, you know, be dickheads. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Interesting thing. But don't do it. And call out crowd killing. And if they're bigger than you, get security to do something. Because <laughs> yeah. they have to not. Um, Callum Reed asks, uh, the, Slayer, the Slayer Farewell Tour is a solid lineup. Solid lineup. <laughs> it's a it's banging lineup. That, yeah. um, however, there was surely an opportunity to give some new blood a chance. Which younger bands would you have liked to see on the Slayer tour, and which of the bands could they have replaced? I don't know if you want to cart any of the bands off that tour. They're well, that's, all the, really that's, good that's bands. the thing. What is it? Slayer, Lamb of God, Anthrax, and Obituary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seeing a bit, getting. Giving a, a band like Obituary, like a legendary death metal band who very rarely would ever get the chance to play a, a, a big stage, giving a, a, a legend like that the chance to play Wembley Arena yeah, is pretty cool. That is pretty, I think, yeah, I think I, I wouldn't want to get rid of anyone. You could you know, add another band and make it a five band bill, but. It- it feels like an event having those four bands as well because they're all so well respected yeah. in what they do and they all bring a really good show. It feels like super, super exciting to be know to go knowing that you're going to see four bands that are absolutely going to yeah. smash it. I mean, last time I saw Lamb of God indoors was when they co-headlined Wembley with Megadeth and it was the best I'd seen them in about 10 years. Oh, they were amazing savage. that night. I said Savage twice. Lots of savage bands in the world. Savage bands. Um, but if you had to add a band, I think it, surely it would be Power Trip. That is the, the one that came course. to mind. Yeah, it's just like new, or, you know, young thrash band. Yeah, yeah. Just Anyone even remotely on the thrash or probably as well hardcore spectrum that wanted to add a younger band to just you know give them a push or spice things up. I mean, Power Trip's the one. Yeah, it's gonna be. They do. They've recently been announced for Bloodstock I think and they're going to oh. be really really good on that main stage I think well Bill that's going to be yes Tim Roughsedge asks any albums got your pulses racing so far this year that you weren't expecting either surprise from established act or a new band loads I think I think uh, we talked about it a lot so I won't mention it in depth but the Priest album yeah that's the worst you know, yeah, really surprised. An established band coming back with their best album in 25 years and one of the best metal albums of the last few years. Um, no Surrender is like my PMA anthem. <laughs> it's so good. I still listen to it nearly every single day. Really? Yeah, Fair. literally. It's yeah. So that was. I don't want to say a surprise because you kind of have confidence in Priest delivering the goods. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, it was a surprise to me though because you know, it's what their 16th album or something. You, you don't expect a band that are, you know, been nearly 50 years into their career releasing a 16th album to be what, you know, a fucking great record. You yeah. sort of expect it to be, okay, fine, it's another priest album. Like, I didn't care about Redeemer of Souls, really. Oh, I like that one. Oh, well. <laughs> I think it was solid. Different things. Priests have delivered solid albums since they came back, but this is like, this is what yeah, I want to Necromancer is an incredible genre. Yeah, it's good. Unreal. But yeah, in terms of new stuff, I guess the Conjurer records like, I, was, is amazing in terms of new stuff. Like, I knew, not that, not that I knew it was going to be good, but I mean, yeah, I, I've seen them once or twice and thought, yeah, this band are cool. But then you hear the album, you're like, yep, yep. fine, best debut of the year. Um, whilst the Lick album, which I'd never heard of them before. Who? Lick, L I K. Well, you've thrown me there. Well, I uh, don't know who that band are. Well, uh, <laughs> that album's called Carnage. Dom Lawson introduced me to them. It's like super, Shout s- out Dom yeah, super savage death metal, and it's fucking brilliant. Awesome. Uh, I think it's on Napalm or Metal Blade. One of the two. 
Um, and yeah, it's nasty. And the new LLNN record as well, which is just a really, really horrible s- sounding uh, band. Because I only listened to them fairly recently, I think this week really. And everyone told me it was horrible. And yeah, it starts off a bit like, okay, I get it. It's a bit nasty. But then we get to the, the final song, you realise you've just been sucked into this horrible, nasty hole that <laughs> it's just like that you can't escape from. It's like, fucking hell, it's You're brutal. Right, yeah, it's a really nasty music. But outside of Mel, the Cardi B album's really good in terms of new stuff. Oh, so God. come on. Very, very good. Al, anything that surprised you this year? Well, again, not to go on about it forever because we talked about synthwave loads as well, but mm. G O S T, you say a yeah. ghost, but not to be confused with the other ghosts. I got really obsessed with Possessor and just kept playing that over and over and yeah, over again. So I've had to give it a little break now. But <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Weaning yourself. I was very excited very about that. I should say as well, uh, maybe we'll talk about it a bit um, uh, in the coming weeks, but if we're talking about surprising things, there's some stuff on the Ghost album that you are not ready for. I'm telling you right now. uh, Saxophone solo is all I can say. To sum it up for now, we might go into that a little bit more later on, but yeah, uh, that, that is a surprising album in all the very, very best ways. Cole Gable asks, Have any of you ever had an idea for an article or recurring segment that never made it into the magazine? No. If so, what was the... Yeah, (laughs) everything I say goes. Uh, If so, what was the idea? Uh, That never made it into the magazine. Something that was too crazy. I mean, I like to think if we all really stand in something, you know, I'll I'll give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did we ever make heavy metal pets into no the... that's exactly what I was thinking I think we did it online for a while I really that was our previous editor you, Alexander yeah Myers. you guys did it Myers. online and when I arrived I was like oh, I'd love to do metal pets but I also knew that it was really stupid yeah. so we never did it but we I thought was... about doing literally famous metal uh, artists pets <laughs> just because pets are really adorable <laughs> yeah. and it's always kind of nice when you get some everyone really... likes metal everyone likes dogs We're and it's, it's kind of cool when you get something really incongruous you get somebody who's like super super metal and super cult and then they've got like a tiny kitten or something it's yeah, always good definitely yeah that, that, that was a good one remember um, those pictures of Danzig, Danzig with like the um kitty litter or something do you remember those pictures that came out online <laughs> there was like dancing in a pet shop and it was like dragging some kitty litter behind him or something like dressed we were saying dragging some kittens I was like fucking hell <laughs> it was like dressed, dressed all in black and it became a meme no, no, that? no that but all. that does sound good I remember um, Phil Anselmo and Kerry King and a few others going to that that sanctuary and they were all hanging out with the kittens and dogs and that went a little bit viral oh there's that thing where everyone goes to Australia and goes to the exact same koala sanctuary Oh yeah, yeah, they all go to the same one. Which means the whole of metal scene's probably got chlamydia. That's the way it works. <laughs> they do. Yeah. I heard that all of them. That's a, the koalas are the ones that have chlamydia, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. not, not all it? of them. They don't, they don't, they don't all Dirty bars. What's that thing about? Oh, do they not? I don't think so. I don't think they're just cr- like crawling with it. What's no, that? I did. I thought they ca- like they it? carried it or something. Can you, can you ca- get it from a koala? Yes. You can yeah, get yeah. It, you can get it in your eye, can't you? If it from wheezes on you, apparently one of them weed on one of one direction was it a few years ago? I'll have to fact check. What and they got chlamydia? I don't think that in their happened. Eyes. I don't think they got, they got chlamydia. But I remember there being like a sort of. I'll have to fact check this because this could all be taken out. I'm sure one of one of those got weed on by a koala and there was this big like oh my god he's caught we had some law training at Metal Hammer this week it's just <laughs> it's part of the, the future process and <laughs> you, could be, you could have just slammed it somewhere yeah exactly right? uh, that koala's going to sue don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know if that's the noise they make. Don't fuck koalas. That's the point. Um, Jamie Noriega asks, if Cliff Burton had not... Pa- well, I'm doing all the Metallica checkpoints today. Yeah. If Cliff Burton had not passed away, would Metallica still have released the Black Album? Probably not as we know it, but I mean, it, you can't... It's, it would be naive to think they'd have been uh, stayed the thrash band they were forever. Yeah, it's not like they weren't already evolving significantly yeah. with the four albums that came before that. Yeah, and yeah, I think yes. Like you probably, it probably would have been a bit heavier, maybe, but a bit more groove to it. But yeah, nah, they, they, of course they would. I mean, it would it, they were eyeing that mainstream for years beforehand. Yeah, and it, 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 it would have been interesting to see how it sounded because Cliff was such an integral part of the band. You know, his influences wrought all over the the first three albums. Mm. Um, so yeah it would have been interesting it would have been interesting but I definitely think it would be naive to think that Metallica would be playing pubs now if Cliff Burton was <laughs> still alive I just want to throw in a not very subtle plug for our Story of Thrash series that we're yes, running over yes. the next four excellent issues excellent plugging deputy editor <laughs> but yeah if you're into anything Story of Thrash get on this it's going to tell the story of Thrash right from its birth up until the present day and there's a very interesting part which concentrates all on the changing sound of thrash in the 90s. So you're going to want to read that. Yeah, do it, do it. Uh, that is it for this week's show. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm not here next week. Good. So let's just forget it. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm away. Do it from your holiday. On my holly bobs. Um, so Luke and Al and I assume Mr. Jonathan Southside. I imagine it'll be Jonathan, yes. We'll be, uh, we'll be uh, bringing you all the best news and reviews and gossip from the world of metal will also be revealing the brand new issue of Metal Hammer it is a fucking biggie uh, yeah we put something together uh, that is a world exclusive thing um, that is gonna I think set the internet alight it's gonna be wicked uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or Acast is it Acast or Acast? Acast on Acast um, and yeah Golden Gods tickets still on sale now and you still have just over a week I think to get the ghost issue so get it before it's gone because once it's gone you ain't getting it anywhere else we will see you next week well I won't they will bye guys bye <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>